Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc, Caden Gooley, Yuri Slavkovsky, all very good. The rest of the veterans on the Montreal Canadiens, not as much. Laura and I have your three up and three down, and the game recap from Montreal's wild night against Vegas on Saturday. All that and more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 720 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, and we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, or if you are seeing our shining faces on YouTube, thank you for subscribing. Make sure you ring the bell, because when you do, you get notified anytime we go live, which is usually me eating something disgusting and horrible, and all the whenever we post a new video, I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla. This is the last time this week that you will see the two of us here, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Active Stick, who's preparing for another jet-setting, trendy vacation. But don't worry, she's leaving the show in my caffeinated but capable hands. Laura, Saturday night was fun. Uh, they lost, but it was fun, was it not? It was wild. That game had pretty much everything in it. Good, bad, ugly, you name it. Uh, it is definitely... <laughs> It's one of those games where it's you don't get at the end you don't get disappointed because you're walking away from from it going what even just happened I mean like the Vegas Golden Knights look like a good team in spite of their best offseason efforts they look like a fantastic team um, as much as you know the rest of us have wanted to watch their downfall they you know the rumors of their demise have been greatly exaggerated but at the same time you've got a Canadian's team that is scrappy and feisty it has some talent it has some effort uh, there were obviously some low points in the game and I know we're going to get into that in our three down but I thought the game was fun I mean it was just it was it was entertaining the, the thing about this is the Canadians came out and played extremely well. Maybe unlucky to not score to start the game. And then they have one bad turnover. And then, you know, what happens is all of a sudden Vegas is in the lead. What are you going to do about that? Vegas has the potential to be that quick strike kind of response team. And they had the depth to do that. And the Canadians came back, played well, got back into the game. Vegas gets back into it and it's 2-2. And then just... Everything goes off the rails. I got up to pour myself a drink and continue watching the game, and Vegas scored three times in four and a half minutes. And it's like, well, that's the end of the night. That's it. The game is over. We're done here. It was fun while it lasted, but that, you know, it's kind of wasting a really strong performance from Jake Allen, despite what the goals against say. And then, yeah, that save percentage was very, very sad. I looked at it and I was like, this does not match how he played. <laughs> no, without Jake Allen, it's a it's like a four-nothing game or very early in this. It's a completely different contest. And then Josh Anderson does something very stupid, and we will touch on that in our down segment, but he blasts Alex Petrangelo from behind, gets ejected, should be getting a call from the Department of Player Safety. We talked about this on Game Over Montreal. We don't actually know if that's going to happen or not because it's the Department of Player Safety and they are at best inconsistent. So he should be probably suspended at least a game for that hit. It was dangerous and stupid. Montreal ended up with a power play out of it. 
Nick Suzuki scores. That was one of the weird quirks of that game was that Montreal ended up with that power play, a four-on-three power play, and then Nick Suzuki immediately scores. And the thing is, the refs got that call right. They didn't screw anything up in there because of all the extra penalties Vegas took trying to assault Josh Anderson afterwards. It They got the call right. And then Vegas had a three-minute power play after that. And then, you know, Montreal's still hanging around, still hanging around, still hanging around. Caden Gooley with a just perfect diagonal leading pass right into Uri Slepkowski's wheelhouse. He blasts one by Aiden Hill, third goal of the year, and it's 6-4. And that's how the game ended, despite a good push at the end. It was good. It was real bad. And then it was okay. We saw all the things we want out of a Canadian's loss this year. Nick Suzuki on the score sheet. Cole Caulfield on the score sheet. Kirby Dock on the score sheet. Uri Slavkovsky on the score sheet. Caden Gooley on the score sheet. They all, the young guys played well. And the vets are kind of where this game got away from them. Joel Edmondson had a rough night. Josh Anderson had a very rough night. We're hoping to see more from them going forward. But as far as losses go, it's about as good of one you could have asked for if you're the Montreal Canadiens. I would absolutely agree with that. And I know we're going to get a little bit into the veterans uh, in our in our three down, but I want to spend a little bit of time on that. I wonder if it's one of those things. I know let, let's remove uh, Joel Edmondson out of the equation for now, but all the other guys, right? They haven't really made an impact in this game or when they did, it wasn't great. Um, you know, we, we can say David Savard, things like that. And, and we don't want to scapegoat the same people over and over again. But I wonder if it's one of those things where even to like a really... Uh, low and subtle extent like subconsciously knowing that you're not part of this team's future it gives you that not sure where you fit in today kind of play and you know a lot of them know that they're on their way out a lot of them know that they could very well be traded tomorrow if not in this offseason or you know some of them have ending contracts that they're going to walk away so I like my question here is I wonder if that is having an impact because I do know that Martin St. Louis had a great impact on a lot of these players as soon as he came in but at some point things settle right at some point this brand new coach that you respect and you admire like the stuff that he says stops sounding as brilliant and just sound like a routine coaching exercise right there's that as well and then you watch the team pour all this development into you know somebody like Uri Slavkovsky we talked about it on game overs like when he's not playing He's practicing, right, with with the skills coach or whatever. They're putting in that that time and that money and that energy. And the fact that this team is like not expected to contend, I really wonder. I don't. I don't think it's a motivation thing, as much as it's a uh, it's unclear where you fit into the picture kind of thing. And so they're trying to do what they're used to doing, or they're trying to do what the coach what what they think the coach wants to do. The rest of us are all focusing on how great Kirby Doc looks on that line, right? So I don't, I don't necessarily fault them that much because I, I know that there's been some criticism being like, oh, we'll play better so that you can get traded to somewhere you want to be. I, I agree with that to some extent. And again, we're going to get a little bit more into the Josh Anderson and the Joel Edmondson a little bit later. But I do wonder if, it, if it's time for, you know, another leadership conversation in this room or another, you know, heart to heart with your coach or something like that. Like, because it does seem not like they're losing motivation, but they just kind of like aren't sure how to be the most effective. I think there's some frustration for the way things have gone. And it's understandable because Josh Anderson and Joel Edmondson were part of that Stanley Cup team. They've been, they've tasted, you know, from, you know, the spring of, you know, winning and everything there. And this might be frustrating and that's understandable. And a lot of it might just be, 
you know, last year was bad. And there's just so much pent up frustration with that. I'm not worried about, you know, guys, you know, going rogue or anything like that with this. I just think it's a, Hey, it's all going to be, it's going to work out. There's a, the plan is in place. Let's trust this process through here. And they don't want to do that. Then. Okay. Then, then we have another conversation, but speaking of Josh Anderson, Angel Edmondson, we do have to go into the three downs uh, for this past week. And we're going to get into that coming up in just one moment. But first, did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglary and package theft spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that you and your family can feel more safe and secure this holiday season. And all you have to and you can order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. There's nothing worse than ordering a big bunch of stuff for Christmas or birthdays, whatever it might be, having it sent to your house. Then you come home, find the packages are gone. You look on the footage, someone, you know, came by and swiped those. Simply Safe is there to make sure that this doesn't happen to you. They were named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report for a third year in a row. And in any emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify that the threat is real so you can get a priority response to your home. If everything you need for whole home security as well, sensors for every room, window, door, cameras, inside and out, anything that you might want. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system we recommend here at Locked On Canadians. Get 50% off new, any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash LockedOnNHL. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. And remember, that's simplysafe.com slash LockedOnNHL. And there's no safe like Simply Safe. We are back. We are locked on Canadians, and we want to preface this down segment with a content warning for some of the things that are going to be discussed here and that we're breaking it up into two things. We're going to go very quickly from talking about what the Canadians downs this week were into what is, quite frankly, a heinous bit of work from the Boston Bruins that uh, began, I believe it was Friday, Thursday or Friday. I Days are hazy here. For the Canadians down this week, we've already talked a little bit about it. Joel Edmondson is trying to do a little bit too much right now. He just came back from injury. He's trying, but maybe they can lessen his minutes a little bit. Let the kids play right now. It's not working well. And Josh Anderson, you're going to get suspended. That hits dumb. There's no reason for it. I get you want to spark the team. You want to send a message because you're known for playing physically and you have some of that leftover, you know, salt in the wound from that Vegas series a few years ago. But you can't shove a dude face first into the boards. And if he gets more than a game, I'm going to be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets anything. But for two guys who are supposed to be leaders on this team, in most of it is actually the Vegas game that I'm looking at here, is that that's not how you lead a team here. Leading by example is a true thing. It's great that Doc, Suzuki, and Caulfield and all these guys are playing well. You've still got to, you know, keep your head on straight in games like this or you're going to put your team in more trouble. Yeah, I'm just going to really quickly agree with you there so that we can move on to the other thing. But um, that's the thing with Joel Edmondson is that he looked good in his first game back, but 
he's clearly being given too much or he's trying to do too much because like you said in game over yesterday he's doing the anticipation all right the reads are all right the execution is missing and usually execution is missing when you're tired uh when you're rusty we said that a lot uh about uh you know uh justin Barron. like he came back and his execution isn't is, is lacking and so he's in the ahl right now you're not sending joel edmondson to the ahl you want him to get back to the effectiveness that he had and the versatility that he had, right? When he first joined this team, we had nothing, we, we didn't know what to expect, but he was versatile. So I believe that it's in there somewhere. I just think that, you know, whether it's playing fewer minutes or playing easier assignments, maybe a little bit more sheltered, I don't know. But I think that the answer is in Joel Edmondson. And, and again, like the down is not, you know, it's not to like crap on him or anything. It's just that's that's what we noticed trended downwards this this. Uh, this week, this past week. And as for Josh Anderson, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> uh, this is the disappointed dad face. He should not have done that. You know, like at the end of the day, like it's, it's exactly like you said, you get that he's trying to spark, but you have to be careful. If you can see the guy's numbers the whole way through, even if he turned or whatever, like you knew exactly what you were going to do when you were heading in that direction at that speed. And that's the thing that you have, that speed and that like, you know, that explosiveness when you hit the target, your target cannot be a dude. Um, and that's, and that's <laughs> essentially, you know, your target can be the boards, your target can be getting the puck into the net. It can, it cannot be some guy. So, and it's not just some guy, it's Alex Petrangelo. So I think that he's going to get a call. I think that he is going to get a suspension, but as we mentioned multiple times, the NHL wheel of justice, thanks down goes Brown. You never know what's going to happen. All right. Now on to the content, which requires a trigger warning. Yes. So there is to preface all of this, there is a, it, it's not even a hint of the entire thing that we're going to discuss here is based around both racial and ableist bullying by one Mitchell Miller, who, despite having his draft pick renounced by the Arizona Coyotes, I believe this was three years ago, two or three years ago, uh, his rights were renounced after more of this story came to light, which was already known beforehand, but no one really picked up on it until the actual draft itself happened. He was kicked off the North Dakota men's hockey team, went back to the USHL where he played overage seasons in a league meant for teenagers, one player of the year and all this. No one had even attempted to sign him. And then on Friday, the Boston Bruins announced they'd signed him to a full entry-level contract with max performance bonuses and the max AHL salary that a rookie can have, which led many people to say that they that the Bruins were not the only team in on this player. So this is not us casting high and mighty judgment on uh, trying to, like, this wouldn't happen to our team. It, it has happened to the Canadians, and this is not a gloating point for any of this. It's so disrespectful and gross to do something like this. A player who has shown no remorse for what he did where he bullied a mentally challenged classmate racially, did horrible things that I just, quite frankly, I'm not going to describe on this podcast. All of it is out there on Twitter and in the world. Has not shown any remorse for this. And it's so bad that the Bruins leadership core, guys like Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron, Nick Foligno, veterans of the NHL, when they were asked about this by the GM, went, why would you even do this? And then they went out and did it anyways. And now there's this whole fight between the NHL, the NHLPA, that 
I cannot wait into because I don't know who actually has jurisdiction to say they can sign the steal, they can't sign the steal. Signing it at all as the Boston Bruins, a team that was 10 and 1 going into the game on Saturday against Toronto, best team in the NHL, having a real last dance renaissance kind of season for Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci and all these other guys. And they went, we've got to sign this guy because other teams might sign him first. You, you, that's not a reason for this. It's gross. It's disgusting. And it spits on everything the Bruins have attempted to do and build as a culture in their locker room. Hate them on the ice. We do, but off the ice in their locker rooms, Zdeno Chara, Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and them have done a lot to actually make that environment of, you know, inclusivity and everything for people in hockey. And this just, it spits in the face of everything that they're supposed to stand for. It's gross. It's offensive. And it's, it's another day of the NHL being, you know, so far behind the times on everything. There's a few things that bother me when people talk about this story. The very first one is when people say, we don't know the whole story. We're hearing from the victim's mother, and we're hearing that there were other people involved in this bullying. We are hearing that there are other people that tortured her son. And those people showed remorse. Whatever actions they took, the mother forgave them, right? Like, there is forgiveness there. So clearly, there's a difference between Mitchell Miller and these other perpetrators. So we don't know the whole story. But if the whole story is that he he did he made amends then i'm sure that he would have found and been given forgiveness if he truly showed remorse and took responsibility right so what we're hearing from him is he doesn't seem to grasp the enormity of his actions he and apparently his parents now i haven't read it but andrew and and, and scott yesterday on game over montreal pointed out to me is that his parents have been behaving like he, his their son is the victim not the perpetrator uh and so we're hearing we're hearing enough to know that he has not shown remorse or he seems to think that it's just about, you know, the, the optics so that he, you know, he reached out the night before the signing to apologize on Instagram. I mean, honestly, like, are you insane? Um, and then the other thing that bothers me is when people say you haven't made mistakes in your life before you must be perfect. I mean, I'm not perfect and neither are you, Scott. We were 14 once, but we didn't racially abuse or bully or be ableist or, you know, for a sustained amount of time over and over again to the point where we had victims that ha that still have nightmares about us to this day. Like, that's not a mistake. That is action. That is concrete, racist, ableist bullying. Like, it just blows my mind that people are like, oh, you must be perfect. Oh, you don't deserve a second chance. Listen, we all make mistakes. Like I said yesterday, I had... You know, I used to go smoking with my friends at 14 behind the gym when I was in high school. Like, that is a stupid thing to do. But I that those are my mistakes, right? Like, my mistakes aren't, and, and the details are so horrifying. I think, I believe it was Katie Strang, if I'm not mistaken, or Craig Morgan back in the day uh, on The Athletic. The details were laid out in that story. Um, and it's a lot. It's, yeah. it's a lot. And it, it is, like, heartbreaking. Reading that made me angry. It made me sad. It broke my heart. And just, like... You have to think about the victim in these cases. And the Boston Bruins just kind of flew in the face of all of that. Like if he had done, if, if there had been concrete action, if let's say the victim and the mother said that, you know what, like he's shown the remorse, we have forgiven him, we're able to move on. Or even if they weren't able to forgive, like if the victim was in kind of a place where this wouldn't continue to torture him, 
to this day. Like, I think it would be very different. But in this case, like, no responsibility has been taken. No action does, seems to have been taken. And, like, at least in the case, you know, people are, like, comparing it to the Montreal Canadiens and, and Logan Mayu. Like, which, again, I'm not 100% sold on any of that. But at least the Canadians have come forward and said, you know, this is these are the courses that he took. This is the counseling that he's doing. This is what we've done. This is what we expect of him. Like with the Boston Bruins, they're just kind of like, eh. And then they trotted out Patrice Bergeron to put essentially to, to, to you know, um, this is a terrible word for it, but whitewash this whole thing is is to, to, to kind of like, you know, make it look, to dress it up. And yeah. It just, it was so clear that he was uncomfortable and it just, it makes me so upset that like this was even a thing. And my whole thing with this before we just move on to our next segment is, you know, we talk a lot about second chances. People deserve second chances. Yes. His second chance was not going to prison for what he did because he was a juvenile and being able to play hockey is a, is, is just such a luxury for so many people and one that he doesn't deserve for what he did when you have hockey players who are notoriously willing to let a lot of things slide or going, what are you doing? It should be setting off every red flag you have available. And I'm sure this is not over yet. This is going to continue to go in because he is currently suspended by the NHL and the AHL who will not honor his contract. It's going to continue to be ugly and we will have an update on that as the week goes on. We are going to shift, make a hard right turn here just because that is how our Monday episodes go. We have to get into our three up of the week, and those are all coming up next. We are back. It is the final segment of Lockdown Canadians on this. Well, it is Monday when you were listening to this. It is Sunday when we were recording this. Go Bills. And it, this is, might be one of the easiest weeks I think we've ever had for ups because they all play on the same line together. Can I and just Can I just read something out for you? Uh, real quick, this is happening as we were talking. So our friend Mike O'Brien has last on Twitter said, we're going to need a nickname for the Caulfield Suzuki doc line. And uh, Steve Bonus on Twitter replied with the tick doc toe line. Which I, I thought was mine good. was funny. What was yours? The oh, LOL line. Huh? The, the LOL line? line because Vegas traded Suzuki, LOL. Philadelphia oh. drafted Cam York, LOL. You know, it admittedly very stupid and kind of crap posty of me, but like that is the up part of this week. If we're being very honest, that top line of Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield and Kirby Doc. If this, this is a family friendly podcast, so I will, I will censor myself. It effing rules and it rules so hard that teams basically passed or gave up on these players for whatever reason. Like Nick Suzuki, team captain, will they be able to, you know, Handle the pressure. Ninth worst contract in the NHL, playing over a point per game. Cole Caulfield, eight goals to start the season. Continuing to make us wonder what the hell Dominic Ducharme did to him. Kirby Doc, cast aside by the Chicago Blackhawks. He might be a center, but he's fitted on that wing on the top line. His vision and playmaking has been incredible. Just what's not to love about, you know, whatever we're calling the Canadians top line at this point. It's yeah, it's like I'm very smug about this whole thing. Uh, and I didn't do anything to get to, to, to bring it about. It was all Kent Hughes um, or also Mark Bergevin. We have to we do have to um, we do have to give him credit. I just I find that Cole Caulfield every single time he plays, I'm like, why not 40 goals a season? Why not? Why not? 
Like, why did we say he couldn't? Like, really, why did we say he couldn't? Why, why did we say he was, he was not good enough? Eventually, he's going to get there. Like, look at the way he's playing, right? He's not even entered his prime. He's still a baby. He's still on his first contract. So I, I look at that. And then I look at Nick Suzuki. And I think, you know, he's figuring it out. Because as we've talked about before, like, you know, some seasons, he was really good on the defensive center. Some seasons, he's bringing out the offense. Like, he's still being relied upon to play some really tough minutes but he's still doing all the things he needs to do. I just like, I find that like he has this nonchalant way of just being brilliant and being ruthless. Like and that, that, that like killer instinct in him is something that I cannot get over as for Kirby doc. I mean, we expected him to be pretty good, right? Like if, if, if the Canadians wanted him, uh, we did know that his situation in Chicago was not ideal. And now I'm looking at him and I'm like, wow, like they finally found the thing that works. You know, how many times have we talked in the past about who's going to play on that line? It's like, oh, well, this guy's here for now until they figure it out. This guy's here for now until they figure it out. It looks like they figured it out. Yes. I'm looking at the stats right now and I'm shocking to nobody. Nick Suzuki leads the team with 15 points in 12 games, eight goals, seven assists. Cole Caulfield, second on the team, 14 points, eight goals, six assists. Kirby Doc, two goals, eight assists, 10 points, third on the team. And then Sean Monahan with six points, Caden Gooley with five points, which is cool. Caden Gooley has five points and is leading the rookies on this team. Love to see that. That's fine. That's what you want. Like you, this whole season has been predicated on we want these young guys to play well. And Arbor Jack guy, growing pains, but is still playing well. Caden Gooley, playing well. His setup for Slav, and we haven't even talked about Slavkovsky's goal, which is, you know, kind of on us. Caden Gooley's pass to Uri Slavkovsky was phenomenal because he jumps in the play, carries the puck deep, and then he fires a high-risk, high-percentage pass over to Uri Slavkovsky to just blast home. That's what I want. If you're going to lose, go down swinging, and that's how you do that. And that's why, what we want to see from both those players. We know Caden Gooley can be an offensive threat. And we know Uri Slavkovsky has a big shot here. I do still kind of want to see Slavkovsky get a shot on the top line. But I'm also not willing to separate Kirby Doc from Caulfield and Suzuki at this point. And that's okay. It's going to balance out. I do think maybe someone like Sean Monahan and Brendan Gallagher on a line with Slavkovsky will be fun because here's the thing is if Josh Anderson's getting suspended, which he should be, that is our official stance on this podcast is he should sit a game or two at minimum for what he did. Slavkovsky should get that opportunity because Mike Hoffman also left that game banged up. Evgeny Dodonov is who knows. And uh, Rem Pitlick hasn't exactly covered himself in glory. And Michael Pizzetta is not a top six forward. He's fine. He's not a top six forward. He's very fun. We love Michael Pizzetta <laughs> on this podcast, but give Slavkovsky that chance. Yes. Let him play with Sean Monahan. Let mm-hmm. him play with Christian Dvorak and just let it rip. Let them go wild. Have a good time with it. Because even if you lose, it's about developing those prospects forward. I also think that maybe Dodonov might be on Robida Island at this point. Well, he's only on regular IR, so he's eligible to return on Tuesday against Detroit. Who knows, Who knows? what what happens uh going forward with that and well if things do happen with Evgeny Dodonov or Mike Kaufman or whomever else I will have you covered this week my wonderful co-host is taking a well-deserved vacation so you are stuck with me for this week Laura will be back next weekend uh on Sunday 
I may or may not be at a table or through a table at a Bills game. I don't know quite yet. However, make Monday sure Monday the fourteenth subs- will be my episode. Essentially. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so please make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians, uh, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. If you want to send any podcast uh, mailbag questions for later on in the week, I will be getting to our leftover questions uh, on, when I record tomorrow night. And as always, follow Laura at the active stick on Twitter. Follow myself at Scott Matla on Twitter. I just make gifts. Stop yelling at me. And when you're done checking us out, please check out Lockdown Sports today. And just like us, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and we will see you all next time.